Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. The age-old probability of trading is taking a punt, guessing, or predicting where the market goes. Never been a fan of predicting because you can be absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Instead, what we're going to go through in our market prediction for 2024 are three different case studies to give you the best ability to set the traps up that you need to secure your financial future. This is an incredibly important way of starting the year on the right footing, so make sure you take plenty of notes, but most importantly, make sure you take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurentiel. Very excited for today's episode, AB. Thanks very much for having me. Topic of today's conversation, it's always a fun one. Today, we're going to be looking at the Australian economy and stock market outlook for 2024. Three very specific scenarios, as a matter of fact. Mm, the outlook, hey, the outrageous market predictions, which has been one of our biggest downloaded books over time. Oh, yeah. And it's always very hard. Um, I've always maintained as a trader, the way to make money isn't to predict, but to actually respond to what's going on, simply because when you predict, you could be very right, you could be very wrong, you could be somewhere in between. Whereas if you're nimble, light on your feet, you can respond very quickly to what's going on. But nonetheless, I do think it's important to have uh, a bit of an outlook uh, up your sleeve as to where you expect things to uh, to kind of go. And, and if they don't, then you need to have a contingency plan, of course. That's right. And I think for, here, for, for us here in Australia, inflation and interest rates are really the big component of the economic drivers right now. So maybe we start off with what would be a bullish scenario for the economy and for markets, and that would be inflation coming down lower and therefore a cut in interest rates. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, the, the biggest pain point for most Australian households has been the cost of living rise that everyone's been subjected to over the last few years. And, and if we start to see a reversal of that, um, I think that would be a, a case for a, a fairly rosy or rosier outlook for the Australian economy insofar as consumer spending and consumer confidence has been obviously rocked, rocked by inflation and also rocked by the higher interest rates that have been used by the RBA to try and rein inflation in. And look, inflation's way above target, you know, that two and a half, three percent type target that the central bank typically offer um, as where they'd like to see it. It's well above that. But we are sort of seeing that the growth trajectory that inflation was on has to an extent come back. So maybe the medicine is starting to work. It's just taking a little bit of time to to prune things back and, and, and get that level of inflation under control. So inflation comes down lower. We see a mm. cut in interest rates next year, mm. let's say. We then start to see consumer confidence and spending pick up. Is that likely going to result in companies growing their earnings? Because that's really been the pain point for Aussie stocks this mm. year. Look, earnings growth is important. Why? It simply helps support a, a valuation level on a company's share price. So if earnings are, are depleted or diminished, um, then the share price is overvalued and you potentially then have a, a sell-off in that share to bring it back to, to what's called fair value, just looking at the, the mechanics of pricing in stocks. Um, I guess we've got to be very careful that you know, if inflation looks to be under control and we have an interest rate cut, um, that consumer spending doesn't take off again and, and become this self-fulfilling prophecy where where we start to see inflation again. Uh, and I think more than anything, given before before this particular rate tight, tightening cycle happened, uh, a lot of people had banked up cash on the back of the pandemic. And, and, and if you look at people's um, cash reserves, they were probably a little fatter uh, than they have been historically. And that's enabled a lot of people to, to ride some of this pain out. The problem out there, of course, is that you know, it's not just higher interest rates or, or a higher cost of living. It's been both that really have, I guess, you know, really 
destroyed uh, people's disposable income insofar as you're paying more for your mortgage or if you're a renter, well, you've seen rents go up, uh, but also it's costing you an arm and a leg to fill your car right now. And equally so, um, you know, it's, it's costing an awful lot of money to fill the grocery card up. And against that backdrop, you could argue that, yeah, lower interest rates are going to get um, you know, people spending, which is good for companies. But there are companies that have been doing you know, pretty well throughout this this environment that we're in and to give you an example of this um you know if we take supermarkets as an example and there's a terrific story and look i'm not 100 across the numbers on this it was a uh, zucchini farmer uh down in victoria you know he's selling his zucchini at $1.90 a kilo which for him is just above break even so he can afford to to grow his crop and pay for his fuel and fertilizer and whatnot but he's not making too much out of it and coals are selling them at five ninety a kilo. No, that's nuts, isn't it? Uh, and so, okay, you've got to make a profit, but that's a very, very large dial-up on the back of that. And they're the sorts of things I think that have really irked consumers, where they know they're getting kind of touched up on, on price. Uh, equally, you know, we spent a lot of time in the regional areas this year, and you know, when we're in Albury, it's seven bucks to, to to buy a whole lamb, like a live lamb. And yet you're paying 35 bucks for a rack of lamb in the supermarket. So someone's making a quid out of it. And that earnings growth certainly has been there. Uh, but I think, yeah, the Aussie consumer, the Aussie household, your average uh, Joe Bagger down at mum and dad are the ones that are really struggling. And it's the financial distress of uncertainty and the fact that maybe the outlook isn't as rosy and optimistic as can be is a very dark cloud for people to live under. You've always got to expect the future to be better than now. But when you're a bit just sort of despondent about the future, that's a, a really poor way to live. So look, we do need to see our companies making good profits uh, to support their valuations, but we also need to see other stakeholders doing quite well too. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's been a lot of discourse across the market where companies have made big profits at the, uh, at the expense of gouging it from the consumer. Nonetheless, lower interest rates, uh, lower inflation, and I think we might start to see you know, a, a kick along then in earnings growth for companies. Awesome. Let's have a look at the other side of the coin now. Let's have a look at the bearish case for Australians. So obviously interest rates going up higher and inflation going up higher would be the opposite effect. We also need to factor in China, though. If the Chinese economy does have a recession, what kind of impact would that have on RCB? Look, very much so. And, you know, probability of China going into a recession, you know, I'm, I'm not a, 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 a trackside bookie, so I don't give odds, but <laughs> you'd have to say there's probably a 60, 65% chance of that happening insofar as you've got huge levels of debt. Uh, in the country, you've got deflation, which slows consumer spending down, and then you've got demographic trends, the three Ds, which we've talked of in previous podcasts, um, you know, last year. Uh, and I think, you know, China going into a recession is bad news for everybody because it's a slowing of demand for raw materials. And whether we like it or not, and irrespective of your politics, our biggest exports are raw materials in the form of iron ore and coal, primarily to China. Uh, and that would have a, a very, very significant impact. Uh, on on our economy, not just in terms of our mining sector, which is what's that ballpark about about a third, third of our Aussie market yeah, is made up of resource stocks. Okay. Yeah, so about a third of the ASX is is resource companies, and you can expect them to have a tough time. And if they're having a tough time, that will bleed across everywhere because when the good times roll, people spend money, property does well, uh, and when the good times don't roll, uh, you do see a significant contraction. So, uh, you know, a, an issue in China, and it's always been. Historically, we've always said, you know, if, if America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. 
Uh, and I guess talking about catching catching colds and viruses is probably not the best thing to talk about when it comes to China. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, now China is such a behemoth, you know, world's second largest economy um, that when China sneezes, we're going to catch a cold too. And, totally. and, and that's something to be very, very minded of. And it's not just in the resources sector. Obviously, our primary agriculture export markets uh, for, for certain food types are there. If we look at companies like A2 Milk in terms of their export market or on the other side of the equation from less healthy drinking, Treasury Wines. Indeed. It's their biggest market. And so, yeah, there are ramifications then uh, for, for events in China, but not just China as well, uh, but other countries around the world. If we see a recession in Europe, that will impact on us too. So, yeah, we're part of the global community and a slow global outlook will, will most definitely impact on Australia. Um, the other, I guess, negative outlook for our economy and, and our stock market to go with that is on our property market in that, um, yeah, we, we, we've had an incredibly strong run there. We're starting to see clearing rates slow down with interest rates at these levels. And if we do see the Reserve Bank hold interest rates up at these levels, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some creep back in our property market. I personally would have expected to see our property market a little bit weaker this year on the back of uh, that consumer spending. But obviously, those investors in, in, in property have, have continued to drive that market up significantly higher. I do think we'll see a slowdown there. And, and the interesting thing, Mitch, with, with rising property prices, particularly given how strong you know, the market has been over over quite a period of time now, is that that's probably the biggest single wealth benchmark for people. The wealth effect that's created when your property is done well uh, is huge. You feel more affluent and therefore you spend. Uh, if you're more concerned as to the outlook of your property, um, then you typically don't feel as wealthy, well-documented, well-researched. And that's also a factor for us to consider in that bearish outlook for the Australian uh, Australian stock market and the Australian economy is, is both property and probably China being the two big factors there. Gotcha. Mm. Looking at a third option now. So if we take a neutral view, so we've done bullish, bearish, let's take the neutral view. So neutral would be, let's say inflation chops around slightly higher, maybe slightly lower. Interest rates don't necessarily go up again, but they hold it where they are now, which is fairly high uh, on, in terms of their, where they were once trading a couple of years ago. Mm. What then happens to the Aussie stock and economy? Look, uh, we're in a choppy. We've been in a choppy period for the last couple of months now, and I wouldn't at all be surprised that that's the most likely outcome for us as we digest, you know, matters of uh, of, of global economics and also those that are domestic. Yeah, you know, for example, we mentioned you know in our bearish outlook, if we see a slowdown in property, one of the factors toward that is people getting behind with their mortgage, which is starting to happen. Uh, so obviously, delinquencies increase, uh, and and we haven't seen for selling in the property market, fortunately, uh, but you know that's a, a possibility if interest rates are sustained at these levels, or even if there's another another round left in the magazine uh, of the interest rate hike gun, um, that wouldn't be a great scenario from a choppiness perspective. On the other side of the coin, you know, we're also a very uh, resilient country, uh, and we should be very proud of that fact. And that if we if we are digesting events around the world, um, you know, we we have our ways of coping with them here. Uh, some of that, unfortunately, is sort of. I guess, washed up in politics sometimes with government activity, sanctions, applications, and, and, and things of that nature, which can be a draw on the market too. Um, if we have a, a free-floating market, I think we're in great shape uh, with less government 
regulation or, or agenda uh, to push certain sectors, you know, we, we have an abundance of natural resources to export and we should be encouraging the export of those and the consumption of those resources domestically too. And if we, we see a swing toward that, I think that'll be a good thing. I think the government have eased off on their um, immigration policy now, which maybe they listened to a podcast of a few weeks ago and took out of it, which right. uh, a lot of people did listen to that one. And uh, it, it's probably a good thing. And that may just take a little bit of heat out of the property market uh, from a renter's perspective. And again, that's the sort of thing that's going to keep us more in that choppy to sideways um, outlook. And it's, and it's always hard uh, when you do these things to, you know, people always want, we're programmed to want the most optimistic outcome. We want bullish conditions where markets go up and everyone makes a lot of money. Sometimes the neutral market that's just grinding sideways is actually a better alternate because a roaring economy where the stock market's charging higher, if you have inflation, is a ticking time bomb for problems down the line. I think we might be late cycle insofar as inflation's being let out of the balloon very slowly. It's proving to be quite stubborn. And having a year of consolidation where inflation is drifting lower, we might see interest rates cut a little bit, maybe towards the second half of next year and going into the back end. Um, and then the, the norm... Uh, the water finds its own level is probably a good thing for us just to take a little bit of air out of that balloon because if we keep going on on the on the on the on the strong trajectory um that balloon pops and you'd rather not have it pop you'd just rather have the air let out of it nice and gradually so absolutely yeah personally speaking i think even though it's a harder one to trade it can be quite opportunistic and i think from a, an economic well-being perspective i think that sort of choppy sideways is likely to be where we're at. And I think that's what we need as an economy right now. Gotcha. And, and, and probably would be the better long-term outcome for us. Last one for you, Amy, before we wrap up. Now, you mentioned successful trading is not about predicting, it's about responding. Mm. So we obviously don't know over the next course of the year what's going to happen yeah. or which outcome we'll see. However, we do know that there is information available out there and strategies to capitalize. So for our listeners out there looking to make a quid out of the Aussie market, whichever scenario does presents itself, what are you doing now to prepare for that? Yeah, I think strategies, like we've got a strategy called Hold the Strike, which we use in the US, and uh, equally applying that to Aussie stocks would work quite well in terms of a, 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 an income strategy. ALS? Uh, ALS being that particular strategy, the Australian leadership, uh, Australian leaders strategy. That sort of thing I think would work quite well. And that's a really different lens for a lot of stock market investors to look through because so many people, when you meet them and talk about the stock market, believe, you know, you just want it to go up, buy low, sell high, make your money. It can just stay flat, but you can make really good money from that too, and arguably in a more sustainable fashion. So those sort of market neutral strategies, I think, are, are likely to have a, have a good day in the sun in terms of overall results versus somebody that's trying to directionally trade the market runs the risk of perhaps, let's just say you've got a portfolio that includes banking and resources, which it probably should if you've got a stock market portfolio in Australia. Uh, and we do see a little bit of a slowdown, maybe not a recession in China, but those mining stocks get pelted on the back of it, where well, you're going to have that drag on performance and you're only looking for up direction. Equally, you might have banks in there and if their bad debt provisioning increases with an economic slowdown, uh, you may not necessarily be seeing the dividends that you perhaps uh, were expecting out of there. Uh, and maybe the bank share performance isn't quite what you wanted either. So opening the door and accommodating a strategy that's more what we call neutral uh, takes an enormous amount of pressure off having to get the direction right. You know, how do you like being paid when you're wrong? Uh, and that's a good Happy thing. Happy days. Uh, yeah. You know, it just stacks the the um, the deck in your favor and I always liken it you know particularly for people that are maybe newer to the world of investing if you've got a strategy we've got to reverse the truck through a really narrow gateway chances are you're going to hit it damage the truck or knock the gateway over if you've got a really wide gateway you're going to get through it safely and I think that neutral 
type strategies, a very wide gateway where your probability of being right is far higher than your probability of being wrong. Therefore, you're likely to make money. And they're the sorts of strategies I think in a less certain market offer much more value add uh, for investors. It may not necessarily sound as sophisticated. It might not sound um, as you've got an outright win where you've picked something that's done really well. But if you've made money, that's probably better than getting a badge of honor for being smart or brave and when it hasn't worked out. And this is a bottom line business at the end of the day. So yeah, tricky year ahead for the Aussie. And 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 for us, a lot of it, I think, is determined by events overseas as compared to stuff that's domestic. Obviously, inflation is, is partially a domestic thing, uh, but we are susceptible to global commodity prices for moving that around. And equally, you know, world events such as a recession in some of the bigger countries like China would have a, an effect for us here too. Yeah, there's also politics too. Maybe we see, uh, you know, we're lining ourselves up potentially for you know, political change, who knows? And who knows how our economy might respond to the optimism that may come from that. So they're all in the melting pot. But for me, Mitch, I think that sort of, that choppy to sideways outlook uh, at the moment with the data that we have and with the pictures of the charts that we have and our view on where the pieces are on the chessboard is, is, is our most likely scenario and it has got the capacity to be very profitable and as long as you embrace the right strategy. Beautiful. Well said, AB. Thanks very much for your insight today. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. There you have it, guys. Make sure you share this podcast with people that you know so we can help more message get out there. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll see you next week.